This is The Bloom Pod, and I'm Taylor Onion. And I'm Melissa Lutz. Each episode, we bring you an interview with an everyday person who is chasing big dreams. I interview the guests for the first part of the show, and then Melissa and I come together and recap some of the main points at the end. With the occasional shenanigan. This week's guest is the Partnerships Outreach Director for Elevation Church. He is a former football student athlete, former student athlete development professional. Uh, he's all the things. Please enjoy our conversation with Chris Everett. Chris, like I said, I am pumped to have you have you on today and and get to hear a little bit more about your background, what you're doing now. Obviously, we have known each other through. I think I don't know that we've ever met in person, but definitely through the virtual space and for and for a stuff that we've had going on. But I'm excited to have you. So let's, I mean, let's kick things off. Let's have you give kind of the the 30 second synopsis of Chris Everett. Who are you? You know, what do you do? What are you doing now? All those great things. Yeah, I am Chris Everett Jr., father of two beautiful children. My wife is Alicia Everett. I was born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina, played football at Western Carolina University, left there to start working at UNC Charlotte. I was the director of student athlete development for the last five years. And then I transitioned out of college athletics to work at Elevation Church in January 2021, where I am now the director of partnerships for Elevation Outreach. Awesome. We've seen uh, a lot of, myself included, transition out of the college or off of campus, I should say, uh, from a college athletic standpoint. You were kind of a, a trendsetter there back in, in January of 2021. The summer had a, a lot more folks coming through, but I know obviously that you were a former student athlete. I know that you worked in, in student athlete development. I also saw that you had a stint in tickets as well, which I did not know. So you kind of, you've, you've done some different things in the athletic department, but uh, just, just kind of tell me a little bit about what prompted the the move, you know, away from a college campus and and into elevation and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, I've I've always felt that my calling is to help people and to do it through service, and that was that was really what got me into student athlete development. As you said, I started off in ticketing, and I was just volunteering my time doing student athlete development. When Judy Rose, our AD at uh, UNC Charlotte at the time, she had created the student athlete, student athlete development role for me. So I did that. And in doing student athlete development, I truly believe that student, not student, servant leadership is the best type of leadership that is, there is. So that was how I tried to train up my student athletes. And I've always been a volunteer for Elevation Church ever since I've been in that student athlete development role. So I would always do community service and kind of just funnel it through my partnerships through the church. And they've actually been talking to me for uh, for the past couple of years about coming out of and transitioning transitioning out of college athletics. But I always told them, no, this is where I wanted to be. I, I, I still love college athletics to this day. And suddenly my current supervisor, Josh Wood, came to me and we were talking last fall just about more ways to possibly get athletes back ingrained into serving. And he mentioned this role to me. And once again, I had told him no. But then just as I started thinking more about it and praying about it, 
what what really had that change of heart for me was when the events that happened to George Floyd happened. And mm-hmm. I wanted a platform to try to help with racial racial reconciliation in our country. And Elevation Church has a pretty large platform. And it's not just about that one specific thing, but just from outreach as a whole. It was just that instance is what kind of shifted my mind to want to do something more. When the opportunity came, once again, I talked to them about it. I told them no. But then I would be lying if I didn't say I felt God pulled me into it. Uh, You can ask my wife. I cried like a baby the day that I decided that I was leaving. The, the week where I was going through my athletic department telling people I was leaving, I left with tears in my eyes every single day. But this was the right move for me because I wanted to be somewhere where I could focus on building our world through outreach uh, full time. And that was truly what pushed me to this point. It's a big shift. I mean, that's a space, obviously, that you had been in since your undergraduate days and then moving into a professional side of it. So it's definitely a big shift to to be able to make that uh, move. But I think so many people during the pandemic after, you know, George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor and so many other things that happened in the last what are we at now? 18 months, 20 months. It's, yeah. it's been a long time since March of, of 2020. Yeah. Um, but so many of those things happened. And I think what we saw, and I'm sure yourself included, was people take a step back and think, okay, I know I'm having an impact in the work that I'm doing, but can I take that to a grander scale? So yeah. I, I think it's awesome the way that you, that you got into it and, and all of that great stuff. But uh, I'm going to ask you now to, to provide a little bit of background on Elevation Church. So I'm familiar with it. I've tuned in. I've never been in person, but I've tuned in to, to the live broadcasts uh, on a, I won't say a every Sunday, but on a pretty regular basis. Um, and, and pastors, you know, Stephen and Holly and hearing from them, I, I always love the message that they've, that they've got. Of course, I mean, bringing, you know, just great fashion to the, to the space of, of religion and all that good stuff. So if you can provide just for people listening who maybe haven't heard of Elevation, you know, a little bit of history, what's it like, uh, just your experience there. Yeah, Elevation Church, we were founded in February of 2006 by Pastor Stephen Furtick. We are a church where we believe that we are here to see those that are far from God to be raised to life in Christ. And then we also like to say that we want to see what God can do through you. So we have just over 20 campuses. We have campuses in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Florida, And we even have a campus in Toronto, Canada. We do all of our, we're primarily, we used to do all of our ministry through those campuses until the pandemic hit. Mm. We were already doing something that we like to call EFAM before the pandemic. But once it hit, it really just threw gasoline on that fire and it exploded, it erupted. And now we see a lot of people who watch our church every single week. Uh, and we're no longer just confided to those four walls that a church building provides. We are now figuring out ministry from a global scale through our online ministry, as well as from an outreach standpoint. We definitely do this through our pastor, Stephen Furtick's leadership, Stephen Furtick and Holly Furtick leadership. We also have great leaders just within our organization to where a lot of what we do is through our volunteers. 
So in a sense, I never left leadership development because we are steadily trying to figure out ways to develop more and more leaders from a volunteer standpoint. I even like to think it's the same thing um, in college athletics, mm-hmm. especially from a student athlete development standpoint. We get the student athletes on a part time role because they have class and they have practice and they have their sport. And then they might come to us in student athlete development every now and then. So for us, we'll have Taylor Onion, who does all these things with her job. And then in two hours on a certain day, she wants to come and serve with us. So our heart is so that whatever we do is that so that those people who don't really know Christ can get to know him through our platform. We, in a sense, I wouldn't say we're necessarily built for someone who has been attending a a traditional church and who are used to those traditional ways and don't want to give it up. We like to it's even within our code that we like to think within a box But then also we like to eat the fish and leave the bones. It's probably my favorite thing from our code, meaning that we want to learn from everything and we want to leave behind the things that we can't learn from. And those things are just a few of the 10 things that we really do believe in. So this that's actually a great segue, because one of the things I want to ask you about, obviously, you know, elevation and there are several. There's a couple in Tampa that are kind of like that, too. But and I've been to others elsewhere, but there are churches that are moving in a more kind of modern space. Right. It's not the typical, you know, get out the hymnal and and you sing the same five, six songs, you know, maybe every other Sunday. But it's the same songs that are kind of being recycled through you listen to the message and then, you know, you kind of, you move on to the, what I'll say is the, the social aspect of the church community and you're shaking hands afterwards, you're going to Sunday school and talking, you know, about the message on a deeper level and all those great things, but elevation and, and some of these, you know, other kind of churches that are popping up in the same way, right. It's a light show. It's a live concert. Like it's all these different things. So tell me about that. Was that always the vision? I mean, when they decided, you know, when, when Stephen and Holly decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. Was it always like, we're going to, this is going to be a grand production and we're going to kind of break the norms of what church is for people. Yeah. I, I can't say a hundred percent what our pastor saw. Cause of course I wasn't in his mind, Sure, but I do know that he will often say from the stage. And especially when we have our staff meetings uh, or rallies, as we call them, that he's always had a vision for a church being different and it being this grander thing. I think that it eventually just evolved over time because we don't, we don't even call our church services church service. We actually call them worship experiences mm. because we feel that it is an experience in which I honestly would say the first time I came, I did not like it. And I said I was never coming back. <laughs> but the thing, the thing that is undeniable, in my opinion, about our church is that we care about people and that connection that we have. Even though for a period there, I didn't come to our worship experiences. I only went to our small groups, what we call e-groups. I always felt that connection to people. And then when you finally get past, as you said, the light show and everything else that comes up, the smoke that Mm -hmm. helps with the light show, as you get past that and you truly start listening to the word and how he breaks it down for the everyday person, that is when you're able to truly connect, in my opinion, with your faith. And then we offer opportunities like outreach, like small groups, and even Elevation Worship with the music that they have. We have all these other avenues that kind of give your faith a language that you can understand under your own terms. 
And I think that that has always been his vision. It's just the way that we got there is a way that's not traditional when it comes to church. Right. Very unique path to, to what it is today. So yeah. in, in your role in outreach partnerships, those kind of things, what are, are there specific organizations or specific kind of service events that you're seeking out that align with you know, the message and the vision of the church or kind of what's your process in that space? Yeah. So when it comes to me determining uh, myself and Kalisha Mitchell, she is my counterpart in this. When we look at organizations who we are currently serving with, what we want to serve with, the first thing is, are we able to reach people who are far from God? That is the very first thing that we're looking at. And we're using that lens the other thing that we would look at when it comes to serving opportunities, because we're not just about the financial philanthropic side of it. We also want to serve. We want to give people an active way to show their faith through serving others. So that's when that second phrase comes in and see what God can do through you. We want to see if there are opportunities to serve with that organization. And then kind of the thing that's really focus in for outreach is we like to look at things from the standpoint of justice and generosity. So justice is what we believe the way of us trying to restore the world, the way that God intended for it to be. And then generosity is the method and the way that we do that. So those are kind of the three things in a sense that we look at when it comes to partnership. And then from there, there are just some things that we do to make sure that we have some orgs that are in good standing, that aren't doing anything crazy, or even that they don't have anything too scandalous going on. Not saying that organizations have to be perfect, right. but if there are things that like, we can explain or we feel confident and strong in, like, hey, like what you were doing, we think you were fighting for justice in that. We want to come alongside you. That, that would be kind of the lens that we look at when it comes to partnership. I have to imagine that that can be occasionally a dicey uh, yeah. space to be in because there's so much just there's so the Internet has existed for so long that even if a person within an organization, you know, did something years and years and years ago, maybe they've moved past it, whatever it is. But I have to imagine that that's a like, OK, did we fully vet this place? We feel good about what's happening. That's got to be tough tough to do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually just came back last week from meeting with an org in another city. I won't give the information out and the key leader in that organization that we were meeting with actually has a past where they went to prison and it was for some things that normally would look really bad, but honestly, the way that that person took those things and used it for their calling in life I don't think that the ministry work that they do would be as effective if, if he didn't have those things in his background. So it's it's really crazy to look at it that way, that if it was anybody else, you would throw up so many red flags and you would say no. But when we talked with that person and really got to know that person, it was like, there's no way that we could say no. This is the right thing to do. What this person did is the right thing to do. And we're actually going to learn a lot from this person because of their experience. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of the failure or the sin that he had in his past. Right. I think that, you know, uh, time and, and failure and sin and all those things occasionally are the greatest 
teachers, right. And can impact in so many different ways. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of leaders in a variety of spaces, not just in, in, you know, church and, and the religious space, but who are, have, I don't want to say necessarily have lived just an exceptionally blessed life, but maybe you don't have a past that's, you know, shady or questionable or has those red flags, as you mentioned, but it's so amazing how, if that has been a part of your past, you can still turn it around, use those experiences to help other people. That's, that's a great way to, to look at it for sure. For sure. So in looking at, the, the organizations that you're partnering with and thinking about the people who are a part of the church, would you say that there is like a, I know you mentioned that for people who enjoy the more traditional space, this might not be for them, but what's kind of the, the selling point for somebody who is not sure if this space is for them. They're not sure if, you know, the, the service aspect of it, maybe they're not sure about the light show and all these different things, but what's kind of the, what's the selling point? How do you convince people to come be a part of your community? Yeah. See what God got, see what God can do through you. is the thing that I hold on to the most. I, I think that people want to be a part of something big. Mm-hmm. And then when I say big, I don't mean our church. I think that we like to feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. I think that's why people like college sports, because you can grab on to an Alabama. And even though you maybe have never picked up a football in your life, you see this team winning all the time. Or even when you look at the Olympics, I know I've never done an an Olympic sport like some of them do, but you see this person do something for our country, for their team, you can grab onto it. So it's the same thing when it comes to you being a part of our church. Just like me, when I came in, I I didn't like the light show and I, I could not get past that. But when I got past my own preconceived notions and discomforts, that was when I began to see something that was touching people. And I was like, well, how's it touching them? And it's not touching me. Mm-hmm. Is there a roadblock or something that I have up? And then when I, it was literally, I, we were going into the year 2015. <clears throat> I just proposed to my wife, my now wife. And I said that I wanted to have a better pattern in my life. And that was when I made the decision. I didn't say I was going to go to Elevation Church. I said that I was going to find a church to go to, and I was going to try to go to it in a rhythmic type of way. And once I started that, that was when I started connecting with people and opportunities, and I felt like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And then that was when I truly became someone who loved my church because when I felt a part of something bigger than me, that it not only gave me an avenue to express myself the way that my job did at UNC Charlotte, but it also got to a point to where it was feeding me. It was feeding me when uh, my granddad passed and I didn't know how to get through the fact that I'll never forget the night before he passed. I felt like God or something. I know it was God told me that I needed to get home and I didn't. And he passed that night. My church fed me in a way that got me to that point. When the things happened with George Floyd that I talked about, my church gave me a way to really wrap my mind around some things that I couldn't at that time. And then even when 
there weren't bad things going in my life. Like when me and my wife first got married, we joined a small group of people who had been married from two years to 30 years. And the things that we learned there, I really do think that they helped us to have a successful marriage. And it didn't come from anything bad. Mm -hmm. It came from us being a part of something, a group that was bigger than just the two of us. And I think that that is the thing that I love to use to sell our church is that you can see what God can do through you, not just by being part of this large church, by being a part of a community that supports you, that lifts you up, encourages you. That is what you need to say yes to. It has nothing to do with saying yes to Pastor Furtick or Elevation Church or anything else that people think we're known for, which is like our worship thing. It's about you being a part of a community of people who truly want to see you succeed. You sold me. I mean, I was already watching. I was already watching some of the messages, but but I'm sold. <laughs> Community is such a is such a big aspect of, uh, I think, identity in general, right? If you can if you can kind of I don't want to say attach or affix yourself to a certain space, but the the more uh, community that you have and a sense of that, I think, just the more important it is. The more good it does for for your soul and and kind of who you are as a person. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you one last question and then we'll kind of shift into the, to the final phase of the show. But um, before we do that, I want to ask about plans for the future. So plans for the future of the church, plans for the future of your position, specifically with outreach partnerships, those kind of things. What does that look like? So I would start smaller and talk about from my position I know that we've started talking about just what does it look like if we were to expand partnerships, just because just to throw a number out there again, it's myself and Kalisha, and we have about 400 partnerships that we are just kind of managing and keeping an eye on. That's a lot for two people to look at. So we've already started looking at or just thinking and dreaming about what does it look like to have more people with us? We really haven't settled on anything yet, but I do know that one thing that's near and dear to my heart is getting colleges involved, whether that be athletics or whether that be dealing with just students as a whole. Because I remember being, being in those rooms, talking to student athletes, and I even opened up myself when I was at UNC Charlotte to talk to regular students about building their resume. Mm. And so... They might not have a job, they might not have an internship, but you can always serve your community. So one thing that I would love to even use this to talk about is people reaching out to Elevation Church saying, hey, my kid goes to this school where they're part of this fraternity, this sorority, this club, and we want our child to serve or not child. We want our students to serve or reach out to Elevation Outreach. This is an opportunity for us to get these kids involved, not only so they can build their resume on their end, but also, again, they can see what God can do through them, but then they can also have an impact on their community. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at ways to like build outreach from a staffing standpoint, but then also how can we like move that generation or that age group of kids and that college demographic and get them to do more. So that's something I would say from outreach that I can let you guys in on. <laughs> Another thing I would say as a church is us just continuing this EFAM, as we call it, model to where we have people who do come in person and watch on the weekends in a community of people. But we also do understand that some people 
they just aren't ready for that yet because they don't feel safe. And that is where you can watch it alone or we call them watch parties or things that we have throughout the country. And last year we did an iteration of something we called our EFAM tour, where once a month we went to different cities in different states and we just brought people together and we worship and tried to move their faith through outreach. Um, we will be looking at a way to continue that into 2022. I can't give out too many details on that, but I would say that that is the next thing for our church is seeing how we can continue to move people who aren't just in Charlotte, which is really the hub of our church, but then move those people, but then also continue to build our church from a building standpoint as well. I'll be keeping an eye out for the, uh, for the Tampa stop. You keep me posted on, <laughs> on that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, were, we were actually in Tampa. I think it was January last year. We were there the week before Super Bowl. I was, year. I was thinking I had seen that on a previous, uh, a tour or whatever you want to call it. I was thinking I'd seen Tampa as a, as a space in there. So very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Like I said, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for the 2022 date. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I said, we'll, we'll shift into kind of the final, uh, final phase of the show here. And I, I gotta, you know, ask the question that is the namesake of the show. So what is one experience or maybe a series of experiences that you feel has helped you bloom into the person that you are today? Yeah, I, I knew you would ask it. And the thing that really stands out to me that is so crazy to so many other people would be my football career at Western Carolina University. And I say that because when I was at Western Carolina, I loved my college. I was there for five years from a football standpoint because I broke my uh, radius and owner my true freshman year. But in those five years, we won only nine football games. So that is less than two every single year. And I came from Dudley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina, where, I mean, they're, they're winning state championships. I feel like every other year, every three years now, we were a winning program. So I went from a winning program to a losing program. The growth that I had in learning how to lose not only carried me into my life now, but I think that was when I really started to bloom was when I saw that my world wasn't just centered around football. And I would even say now that I think about it even more, that in a sense is what got me here to Elevation Church. Because when I left Western Carolina, my world was shaken because I no longer had football. So I said, I'm going to continue to do athletics in some type of stint. I did college athletics. So when everything happened last year with the pandemic, as well as George Floyd, that shook everything, not being able to really go to work. And then because my wife, she had lost her job, um, we cut a lot of things out, including cable. So I didn't watch football all last season. And again, that was athletics being shaken in my life. So, you know, I heard a saying once, it's like everything must be shaken so that what stands afterwards, that is like your solid ground. And I've always had my faith. And so I learned that things being shaken wasn't bad when I had a losing college career so that when I lost some things in my adult life happened, that helped me to know, you know, I'm still going to be able to bloom where I am. Once I see what is important at this moment, once I figure that out, it's going to be fine. Gosh, that's so much better. I always, um, 
I refer to it when I start to feel overwhelmed, you know, in, in my own life or from work or, or, you know, school, whatever it is, I always think of trimming the fat, right? Like, okay, what can I get rid of? That's not important to me. That's not feeding me right now. But the, the, um, analogy that you just gave, right? Shaking it, see what's, what's left standing. I feel like that's so much more powerful than, than trim the fat. That's awesome. I'm, I might have to, to change the way I'm, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely helps. It, it puts a positive spin on it. In a sense right. For me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So final phase. Um, oh, actually, no, because I didn't ask you the best piece of advice that you have ever received. And then we'll move into the, the quick peel round. Yeah. The best piece of advice that I, I have ever received. Um, uh, I would definitely have to say that it came from a guy. I can't remember what exactly we were talking about, but I do remember that the scripture that we had landed on, it was Romans 12, 2. And it is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so in my mind, that's just, it's kind of the same lane that we were just talking about, like things being shaken. You know, if you conform too much to this world, if everything gets shaken, you're going to continue to hold on to it. But when it comes to you allowing God or whatever happening in your life, to transform the way you think and for your mind to be renewed, you can then move on in your life. So Romans 12, 2 is that thing to like let transformation happen in the renewing of your mind and walk forward and what whatever that is at that moment. I mean, really, we could hang up right here. And that would be that would be the mic drop mic drop moment, right? That's a <laughs> gosh, that was that was good stuff. That's great advice. That is great advice. All right. So as promised, this is, this is the quick peel uh, round that we've got. So I've got four kind of this or that questions, and then we'll do the, the fill in the blank. So, uh, all right. First one, favorite worship song. Ooh, Grace in the Garden, Elevation Worship. Okay. I might have to check it out. I haven't heard that one. Uh, favorite food. Uh, like a lot of food. Um, <laughs> Ah, my wife's going to kill me. I keep thinking of Sour Patch, so I'm just going to say it. Oh, she's going to kill me for saying that. The Sour Patch <laughs> Kids? I like it. <laughs> I don't know that... I just was going to say, I don't know that we've had anybody say a candy before, so this is, that might be a first right there. Oh, no. No, no, you should... That's a first on the show. You should feel fantastic about that. <laughs> that is good. Uh, now, I heard you say that you, you cut cable, but uh, the question that I had in here was Netflix or Hulu. Do you have a preference? I would have to say Hulu because Netflix got rid of the office. Mm, that's fair. That is fair. That was, that was a big hit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite vacation spot. I don't vacation a lot, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the mountains. Okay. Especially in the fall. Any mountains? Do you have a specific, you know, set that you go to? I would say Blue Ridge Parkway just because it's here in North Carolina. That's where Western Carolina is. And it is, absolutely beautiful in the fall in October. I've seen some pictures. I think it was app state just posted some yeah. pictures of their, their facilities okay. and man, beautiful right now. That is literally the, that's the perfect thing to have in your mind. This like this time of year when we have football games, 
all of the hotels were booked. It wasn't because of football. It was literally because people traveled there to do leaf watching. Didn't even know it was a thing until I got to Western. I did not know that was a thing until just now, but that is yeah. uh, one of my favorite pastimes. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not all at once, but I do like, like to watch them change, you know, over the course of the season for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last one. This is the, this is the fill in the blank. Blooming is. Blooming is renewing your mind. Ooh, okay. Renewing your mind along with, uh, along with what you just said on your, on your best advice. I like it. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, for taking the time out to, to come on today and, and share, you know, a little bit about your background in athletics and, and how you got switched over into the, the space of, you know, religion and elevation church and all that good stuff. Love to hear it. And, and glad that everything seems to be going really well for you. Yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure, pleasure, Taylor. I have listened to this and always loved your podcast. And it, is, it definitely is an honor to do this. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity and your platform to share my story and my viewpoints with the world. Well, thank you again. We, we appreciate having you on and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you, Taylor. Stay tuned for the recap of this episode with my sidekick, Melissa Lutz. I got no warning whatsoever. I know. I just feel like I'll go into it and then we'll see how things go. See what happens. That's a risky game, Taylor. It is. I guess I have to stop eating my popcorn now because it's so crunchy. It would spice things up a little bit. I don't know um, that people with misophonia like me might. Oh, she's doing it. There she goes. I was going to say might not appreciate it, but you went for it. (laughs) Did you hear it? Can you hear me chewing it? No. Oh, good. Okay. I was trying to chew really slowly, and in my ears, it sounds very loud. Mm. It didn't translate to my speakers. Well, good. Hopefully, it didn't translate to anyone else's speakers either. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a suggestion that we don't risk it. <laughs> <laughs> if so, if I hear it on the playback, I'll just cut it out. Mm, that sounds like a lot of editing. I'm saying don't continue to eat popcorn. Right. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the one is going to make or break this podcast. <laughs> right. Don't continue. True. So Chris Everett is Christopher. Who, Christopher Everett is who we're here. I actually forgot to ask him if he goes by Chris or Christopher. I've known him as Chris, hmm. but... I don't know. Then at my, I would go out on a limb and say he goes by Chris. <laughs> that's probably that's probably accurate. <laughs> um, so the first the first note that I have for you is if you recall at the last recap, I said that it was going to be a new version of higher education, and you asked me offline does it have to do with marijuana ah yes Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering i am curious to know whether our listeners thought the same at the last teaser i would dare to say that no one guessed elevation church (laughs) was a good clue but did anyone get it there's no way of knowing i'll put a poll there there's a poll in today's episode notes on Spotify, yes or no? Or 
call in now. How do people do that on podcasts? That's what I, people have people call in and I. Yeah. And people could leave us voicemails. I just listened to one the other day that had that feature and that's not something I'm privy to at the moment. Uh, and I it must to. be like predetermined callers. Like if anyone has an opinion, call in, but they've already scheduled like Shannon's going to call in at, or they just call her. I don't know. How does that work? How do people do that? I think there's a voicemail feature, but I'm not sure how to use it. Mm, like people okay. could leave us a voice message if we had that feature turned on, but I, I'm not sure if we do or not. Okay. So you're, you're saying call in and let us know, and then we'll talk about it on the next episode. No, I said there's a poll in the show notes for today. No, no, I know. I'm, I hear what you're saying. I'm just thinking out loud about the logistics of running a podcast. Clearly I'm not, um, real hip to, uh, what people are doing these days. I see. You just I, see. Get to, I just call in and everyone gets to listen to me ramble and I'm going to stop now. And we're moving on. <laughs> Okay. Another note I, I want to say before we, um, I thought I was, I was giving you a layup back there or you gave me a layup and I assisted. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, one thing that I wanted to say before we jump into this is that I'm very excited. And I texted you this a couple of days ago that we passed 4,000 plays, downloads, listens, however you want to, however you want to call it, talk about it, whatever. Uh, and I'm excited about that. I'm proud of us, Tay. Me too. Who who would have thought? Look at us. Look at us go. Right. That what was percentage crazy. are our mothers? Actually, That's... I don't even think my mom listens. <laughs> what percentage is strictly Kathy Onion? <laughs> yeah. How many Kathy's? How many Kathy listens account for? I will what? say. I mean, I don't know how many times. I assume she listens to it just once because she listens to it on. One and a half times. Y'all got a life, you know? Yeah. 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 She can't just sit around and listen to our show all day. Uh, But I can 100% confirm that our close friend, former roommate, uh, does not listen. Erin Johnson confirmed with me over the phone that she has listened to nary an episode. And she'll never know that we're calling her out now. So that's, you know, that's the upside here, right? (laughs) Right. We can talk about her all we want and she'll never know. You know how it got brought up is I said something about um, Melissa and I had had spoken about your child, your potential child's name, Stevie Del Rio. And uh, she said, you know what, Tay, I don't mean to offend you, but I have never listened to an episode. And I thought. Friends really do keep you humble, huh? You really do. <laughs> anyway, Chris Everett, what a what a better time to jump into our notes than this moment now after we've established that one of our closest friends does not support our venture. <laughs> you can let her know I booed her on the podcast. I'm going to Snapchat that specific portion of the show to her so she will hear it. Perfect. <laughs> um. Okay, what's the second note? Well, I had the first one I had was the higher education. Did you get it? Which obviously you got it because you listened to the interview. A cyber pad on the back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next note that I had was there, this was still 
a semi-recent change because he started in January of 2021, but I was thinking that it had been longer. I was thinking that it had been, I don't know, sometime in 2020, I guess, that it happened, which January was only the first month in, so very close. Anywho. Uh, yeah, but anywho, there, there has been um, a mass exodus that is happening in college athletics in general. I'm more aware of it in the student-athlete development academic space because that's where I have operated for the past, I don't know, six, six years, eight years, if you count the other stuff that I did. Uh, but I'm curious to know, is this something that you have seen in your space? Has there been a lot of turnover in the, I don't know, the service industry or marketing or what, what has your, what have you noticed in your professional circle? Well, Tay, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. Um, I think I said this in, oh, our, you know, intro to season three, Mm. uh, we had been lacking employees in the service and hospitality industry because people, restaurants closed, people found other work, um, we're on unemployment. Um, you know, really, I think a lot of people just had time to like, think about what they want to do. And I think this applies to every industry, right? Like when people were stuck at home all the time, it gave everyone time to really evaluate, like, what do I want to do? What's my passion and gave people the opportunity to take some risks and, try something different and start passion projects, start businesses at home. Um, And we saw that a lot in the restaurant industry. Um, So many people were put out of work that they're almost forced to look elsewhere. Um, And we were really feeling that this summer when things got, we're ramping back up. We were super busy um, and running around like crazy trying to hire and um, trying to not burn out the staff that we did have that was there all along. So it's been interesting. We're like finally at a a place now where we're staffed back up and feeling good, but a lot of people shifted gears and some people like we just hired the most lovely woman and she was actually in the corporate world and was like, I just, I, I want to be out and around people. And that's what COVID really taught me is that like, I value being around people. And so she came to the uh, restaurant industry. Um, so I think across the board, there's just a lot of people making big life changes in the past year. Or so like taking the time to evaluate um, their values and how they want to spend their time, whether that's I need to be around people or I want to be working remotely and from home and have that freedom. I think there's two different, you know, little shifts of um, realizations that have been made during this pandemic. Yeah. They're, they're calling it um, the great resignation this time right Mm now. Um, And I don't know that that is accurate. Somebody put it differently. They, they didn't call it the great realization. It was something else that was more creative, but I do think to the point you just made, there's more like realizing or taking stock of what your life is and making changes to remedy that, so to speak, uh, more than it is just like, I'm going to quit my job and sit on the couch. You know what I mean? Like people aren't just like not working and sitting on their couch all day. It's, it's a change in 
lifestyle. And I think that's like something that unemployment, something good that a lot of good came from having access to unemployment. But when you're without a job and have at least the ease of having some income come in, right? You're like, I can take some risks and try something else that I haven't done before. Um, I think that's kind of cool. You know what? I just noticed that that's like my go-to, um, <laughs> my go-to voice. I think you should do it as well. I don't know if it's our friend group that does that, but if I'm imitating someone or saying something that's um, for the most part, utterly ridiculous. Like if it's like a ridiculous thought in my head, like, I'm just going to quit my job and sit on the couch. <laughs> like, who, not everyone do that. <laughs> who have I ever heard that speaks like that in real life? <laughs> well, yes, I just thought I'd try something different for one. <laughs> right. It's like a combination between like, I don't even know. It, it's like a, there's like a twenties twang, like, yeah, she, <laughs> And then also just a weird pitch. Anyway, just a, just an aside that I was thinking of <laughs> after I made that voice. Uh, you made it? I thought maybe I did. I didn't even know. Oh, no. I We do it so frequently, I think, that didn't even catch that it was happening. That is true. Do you know what I'd like to share with you in this moment? Uh, some of the feedback that I got from my major professor on my proposal, which is still in the the draft phase right now. We, we haven't moved out of that. I'm very eager to get into the actual, okay, this is your proposal. It moves on phase. Uh, the second draft I gave to him, he got back to me and said, I'd like you to take the word amongst out because we're not in old timey English. So if you want to use amongst, then you'll also need to use whilst and thou and things of that I think nature. You should have responded to his email and be like, thou shalt not criticize. <laughs> so this <laughs> my style of writing. <laughs> Whilst you think that. <laughs> so it was actually like a team's meeting so he could see my face. And as soon as he said it, I started laughing because that language comes directly from our friend group like that's just how we talk so I didn't think anything of it as I was writing you know about the perception of power amongst senior woman administrators uh and it was it was sprinkled throughout the rest of of the proposal <laughs> control find and see how many times you used it well we went through it page by page and so I was expecting you know maybe only in the title and and in the introduction no it was it was several times I'm both pleased to say and upset that it's not considered uh, an academic term. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, jumping backwards a little bit, though, I have a note on Chris. Some of the things he was saying that kind of like are relatable to people's pandemic experience um, is that there were a few things he said, like, see what God can do through you mm-hmm. talking about how people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And then a note I just wrote while listening to him speak was that everyone needs to do something that fuels their soul. Mm. And whether you believe in God, whatever you believe in, I feel like a lot of us are at least spiritual in some way and believe in some greater power in the universe. Right. And when you open yourself up 
to the opportunities and to see what can be done through you. Um, I don't know. It just feels like that was a really common theme this past year, two years, almost two years now, which is crazy. Um, but that I've heard so many stories of people that were just like, you know, I just started baking and then I started selling it on Facebook and then people really loved my cookies and my, the decorations on them. And then I turned it into a business or, you know, it just feels like there is some sort of like revolution happening of people kind of taking a step back and um, just doing, you know, having the time to have these um, passion projects that end up turning into something that like really fuels you and can turn into a career because that passion just reads in what you're doing. And it's like, um, word, uh, I don't know the word I'm trying to think of. It's a very common word and I will shout it in 30 seconds when I think of it (laughs) in the middle of another sentence, but, um, contagious, that is the word. Contagious. Wow. You vamped until you got there. I did. I really filled that space, bought myself some time, not so discreetly. Uh, I didn't think you were going to get there as quickly as you did. So I'm I'm actually actually impressed impressed with myself too. Yeah. I'm actually very impressed. I gave myself 30 seconds. I took six. So, um, yeah, maybe not even, I think it was more like three or eight. Um, a note that I have specifically in here, but also, uh, based on what you were just saying, um, Ash, Dr. Ashlesha Lokande and her fire and ash candles, which she started doing as thank you gifts for other people. And then of course it's turned into, um, you know, a, a kind of nonprofit operation when she's able to, to get to it and get out and do those kind of things. Uh, racial reconciliation specifically is something that Chris talked about after the murder of George Floyd. And that's kind of when he felt called to, to serve on, I don't want to say on a bigger stage, but kind of in a space where he knew that he could have a bigger reach. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just kind of in the, uh, I guess in the lane, you know, that he was in. But when he said that, that's the first thing I thought of was Ash's dissertation and and just some of the things that we spoke about with her, which feels like it's been a million years ago. I guess it has been a, a year and a half. Well, a like, well, no, not a million years, but <laughs> you, you're always so good to call me out when I exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't remember who. Oh, it was um, it was Daniel Fitzpatrick's episode. Uh, when I said something about, you know, it was like every single thing he said, I was like, I've had that experience. And you were like, every single thing. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to cut the sass a little bit, not all the way, but like some, you, you keep me humble. I'm going to try. You keep me not humble. to keep you humble. I'm going to try to cut the sass. Oh no. I, I it's don't for the listeners well, entertainment. I appreciate it. And I know you love me. So no harm, no foul. I do. I do love you. And how many other people that are listening didn't buy the, I do appreciate it. (laughs) I really do. Oh, okay. Great. Then I'll keep it up. No, I do. I do. You have to, you have to have people in your life. I almost knocked my popcorn over. I haven't been eating it. I forgot it was there. Uh, you have to have people in your life who, you know, 
can check you at times or can provide sass to make you stop exaggerating so much. It's a growth opportunity. <laughs> you know a what nice spin to put on being sassy. <laughs> Um, okay. Anyways, um, Chris. Yes. Another thing I thought just like, he said a lot of really good things that like in hindsight, I'm like, this feels obvious, but I never would have thought to put this into words. Um, and sometimes those are the most like powerful, but he was talking about how everyone wants to be a, a part of something bigger than themselves and be a part of a community. And I think those are two, you good. Yeah, did you not hear that? I did hear that. That's why you're good because you made a face. (laughs) I I forgot that I was going to... There was an alarm set on my phone and I forgot that that was there and would be ringing and it gave Mm. me a fright. And then you just kept talking. So I gave me a fright. (laughs) You put that in your proposal as well. (laughs) You're like the um, Annie in... um, the Lindsay Lohan twin movie, Parent Trap. She's like, Chessie, you gave me a fright. I think that's where I got that. Herself away that it wasn't uh, the other one. She's like, you gave me a fright. Uh, I freaking love Chessie. What an underrated character. Um, But, oh, you're just the, the aunt. Oh, Hallie's the other one. You're the Annie of the Parent Trap. Just so Papa. I'm impressed that you know which one is which. Like I'm actually one. pretty impressed. I couldn't come up with the word <laughs> contagious, but I can pull out the twins' names from the parent trap like nobody's business. And you could remember Chessie. I don't know that I would have been able to pull that without some other context. Chessie's a very memorable character to me. I always loved her. What's the dad's name? Played by Dennis Quaid, question mark? Hal, Chessie. Uh, Meredith. Meredith Blake. What's the mother's name? I used to be able to do that monologue. What monologue? When she was like, has curlers in her hair. She's smoking a cigarette. She's oh. absolutely zonked. <laughs> I used to be able to do, embarrassingly, the whole thing. That's not and embarrassing. Please re-memorize that and bring that to next week's episode. <laughs> I will see what I can do. Okay. Uh, I don't know their names. This is not a good use of our listeners' time. No, no. no. Um, (laughs) But anyways, back to being a part of something bigger than yourself and being a part of a community. I feel like that's just two common things, right? We all want to belong and we all want to have a purpose. And it sounds like for Chris, he felt that even greater at Elevation Church, right? like was a part of a community, was a part of something bigger than himself in his previous role, but just saw the opportunity for that to be even greater. And I think that's something that the way he speaks about Elevation Church is like something that they're really great at building community and like doing good in the world and feeling like you're serving a purpose, small or big, like you're a part of a movement is really what it seems like the church is doing. Yeah. I agree. One of the things I had written down, and this is in uh, quotations, but it's been a day or two since I listened to this. So it's hard to know if this is a verbatim statement from Chris or if this is a concept that I put into quotes. 
but I have building our world through outreach, which I thought was just a really cool, again, either phrase or concept that, that he talked about, um, which of course is the, you know, director of partnerships and, and outreach is something that he would be specifically focused on. The other thing, um, well, I had, I had, um, what can God do through you, which you mentioned, which I think is a cool, um, I don't know. I, I think just when you're thinking about, um, recruitment, which it seems like a funny thing from a church standpoint, but I think you're always, you know, if you are somebody who, who believes in God or who is spiritual or whatever, um, you want to spread that joy and positivity and gratitude to others. And so I think that's just a really unique way to, to think about it and to pass along that message that it's not about, you know, come join us, look what we do and look who we are. It's like, no, no, let's flip this. Like what can God do through you? Yeah. Which I think is neat. The last note that I have um, was his mention of eat the fish and leave the bones, which he was talking about um, use everything that, that we can learn from and then leave behind the lessons that we can't. And I think he said, Something about shaking things up. I have a note on it. I can tell you. Yes, please go ahead. Um, I don't know if this is word for word what he said, but it's my variation of it. Um, about things being, when things are shaken, it shows you um, what you have as a solid foundation. Um, so like the people around you, whatever yep. it is, your values, like when life gets hard and things get tough, all the little stuff falls away and you're left with like, um, there's a metaphor actually. And it's this, there was a video that went viral on social media and I had a discussion with someone about it recently, but, um, when you're filling a vessel, a vase or something with rocks, pebbles, and sand, you put mm-hmm. the rocks in first, the pebbles in second and the sand in well water too sand and then water and it's like you have to keep at the forefront of your mind what like the big rocks are what's important to you what's your foundation and then you add the pebbles like things that are important to you like my job and my home and you know it goes from the things that will like shake you if you don't have it to like these fine little grains of sand um and so speaking in a metaphor of like what's the rock in my life what are the big things and I think it's um translatable to like that's your foundation where are your morals what are your values who are your people that you can rely on and when everything seems to be falling apart what's left I have two things on this Number one is specific to the metaphor you just provided. We used to do a physical activity with our freshmen that involved uh, rocks and pebbles and sand. And it was a time management activity where they had to figure out how to get everything to fit. And then, of course, we would debrief it and relate it back to, okay, the rocks are likely your student athlete experience, right? Your academics, your um, your athletic endeavors, the pebbles more likely, you know, maybe family spending time with them, things of that nature. And then the sand is everything else, your Netflix time, your additional social time, et cetera. And there's only one way, of course, that it can fit in the container that we provided. 
The second thing that I wanted to say was I'm curious to know, because I've heard several analogies of um, this nature, whether it is how Chris said where, um, you know, you can be shaken and then the foundation or whatever remains is your foundation. Uh, trim the fat, I believe, is the analogy that I used as well, which I'm a farm kid, so not necessarily unusual that I would think of, you know, trimming down to the the most lean part of the meat. Another one that I've heard is dynamite, which is similar to the the being shaken with the foundation that when life feels too crazy, like put a stick of dynamite in the middle of it and let it kind of blow up and see what remains. And I'm curious to know if you or if our listeners have heard of any additional analogies, maybe I'll make that a question because now with these fancy features that we have as a part of our podcast, you can have an open-ended question uh, and you can also have a poll. So there will be a poll in today's show notes and there will be an open-ended question in today's show notes. Please. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Please something us entertain us it's hard to say delight please delight us please amuse us no it's something along those lines appease no Mm, well we may never know we may never know just do it guys (laughs) yeah just do it and while we're at it yeah We'd, we would love to hear from you we'd we'd love to hear from you on apple podcasts um you can rate us. You can review us. You can. I can't think of anything that rhymes with review. Um, de- debut. You can debut us. I'm not sure if that makes sense. I I didn't say it did. You just asked for something that rhymed. Um, and I'm not even really sure it rhymes, but that's what review, happens when I get put on the spot. I think it does. Wait, are we wrapping up? Because I wanted to talk about uh, going to the mountains to see the leaves. That I was want to tell you that there's a term that you should know, and it's called leaf peeping. Leaf peeping? Yeah. As in like Ping. peeping at the leaves? Yeah. It's a whole thing. People. Okay. People. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just in Colorado. I don't know. But there's like a two-week window where all the aspens change to bright yellow in the mountains. People aspen go, aspen. is it aspen is a tree? Aspen is a tree. You in can a, tell because of the way that it is. In addition to a location in Colorado. Wait, no, but that was a reference to a, have you never seen that nature video? Uh, sparsely. I don't know it as well as you do. Okay. Well, then he goes, this is an aspen. You can tell because the way that it is. <laughs> um, great. Look up nature, guys. Quality stuff. Uh, but people will like make trips to the mountains to go leaf peeping. I am one of them. But this year I was quarantined with COVID in my hotel room for the exact two weeks that the leaves were changing. Leaves? Mm-hmm. Leaves. Leaves. The leaves were changing colors. And then I got back and drove all the way like an hour away just to find out that there were no more leaves on the trees. And it was sad. What do you think is another thing that people peep at? Dolphins? Birds? Bird peeping? 
We do some bird bird watching. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the millennial version could be called bird peeping. We can start Uh, a new wave. Sunset peeping. Sunrise peeping. Sunrise peeping. People peeping. People peeping. Definitely people peeping, which otherwise is known as people watching. Sure, sure. But millennials, you know? Yes, 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 yes. We we are... (laughs) We are assuming that peepin, specifically peepin, is a millennial term. I think this week I'm going to sign off instead of with my normal and just say, keep on peeping on. <laughs> was, was that it? Did you? Did you no, no, it? no. I just, I was waiting for your reaction to gauge whether or not I should do it. There's an opportunity for you here to say, and that's the way the onion peeps. I don't understand. <laughs> Well, we were talking about peeping, and normally you say that's the way the onion peels. It's a it's a yeah. play on it's a play on words. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, haha! Don't peep. They could. I I am an onion, and I peep. Maybe we'll have you go peep peep, and then I can say. <laughs> And that's the way the onion peeps. I think they just want us to sign off now. Did you have anything else? I just, uh, the next thing I was going to do was go into a version of um, Rock and Robin, but saying peep peep instead of. Anyway, I think you should sign off. What have we done? We've taken too far. Yeah, I yeah, listened yeah. back to a, a previous episode and you had queued me up for that and I didn't hear it and I'm sad about it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I think we must. All right. Well, I guess keep on peeping on. <laughs> uh, we are coming up on the end of our higher education block. We are thrilled to have had you join us today. We will continue to be thrilled to have you join us next week as we round out that block. Uh, So one more higher education guest before we jump into our third and final block of season three, which will be the sports block. Uh, And let me just say the guests that we have for that block. Amazing. I I can hardly wait to recap them specifically with you, but I'm also very excited for the episodes to be published and and in the world. Anyway, we'll see you next week. We're we're excited to have you. Uh, Like, rate, review, all those good things. We'll catch you then. 